privilege we have to come and worship you, again to be blessed by your word. We prayed for this hour. We trust you. That Lord, you will teach us by your spirit and that you will help us to understand what your word is saying to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now before we start, I want to read the the message I got this morning from Pastor Peter Bonanno, who is the district supervisor for the North East Atlantic District of the Four Square Churches. Uh, this is to all of us. He wrote it to me. Well, it's a message to all of us. He says, I know you've had a lot this week. So today I encourage you all. It is our time to speak on behalf of others. In the spirit of Jesus, people are listening and our voices are important. A grand swell of seeking justice and standing for truth has come upon us. Be the change we all want to see by using your voices to influence people and the church to make a difference and help heal racial injustice. I'm praying for you all and I'm proud of all of you as you people lead in mercy and truth. Those who seek the Lord understand justice completely. Proverbs 28, 5. That is Pastor Peter Bonanno and wife Lisa Bonanno. Now let's go to our, our uh, message this morning. We're still looking at understanding who we are. Understanding who we are because if you don't understand who you are, your personality can be messed up. Your personality can be changed and you begin to behave like who you are not. If you don't understand who you are, you can lose your privileges because you don't know your father's house. Our people say if you don't know your father's house, you, you walk past it. So it's important that we are persuaded and we believe in our own identity as given to us by scriptures. First John 3, 3 says, Behold, what manner of love the father had bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore, the world knoweth us not, because he knew him not. Now, if you read this scripture, you see who God is saying you are. You're called a child of God, a daughter of God, a son of God. When the Bible uses sons, it's talking about humanity in general. And then, and then you don't want people who don't know you, who don't know your God, to define who you are they will take away your privilege of being yourself. They will make you what you are not. They will make you live their life. They will define for you what is right, what is not right, what you wear, what you don't wear, what you say, what you don't say, that is acceptable to them so that you become the person they are glad and happy that you should be. And but the Bible says they don't even know your God and they don't know you. So when you allow somebody who doesn't know you to identify you, I think you are lending yourself to something that can bring a, a, a disaster to your life. You can have personality split. You can have your personality messed up and your character messed up. Your, your, your privileges taken away from you, stolen from you. And then you end up where they end up. Look at what the scripture says in First John 4, 5. Those people belong to this world so they speak from the world's viewpoint and the world listens to them. So they have their crowd that listens to them. But how about you? But we belong to God. Those who 
those who know God, listen to us. See, you don't let people who don't know God define you. you he says they, they talk from their view, world, world view, but you don't let that define who you are, child of God. This is very important because there is unbelievable influence that this strange things is bringing on the church, that churches are changing a lot of stuff so that they please these people who speak from worldview, even changing their messages, watering it down so they don't offend them. And so people are intimidated. Christians are intimidated to live up and stand up for who they are and speak their language. He says, he says, the world does not know us. So the last thing you want to do is to let them define who you are. Don't know you. They can't define who you are. So the scripture I was reading says, those people belong to this world. So they speak from the world's viewpoint. The world listens to them. Of course they have their crowd who will listen to them. And they are in the majority though. But we belong to God. And those who know God listens to us. If they do not belong to God, they do not listen to us. They will never hear you, what you're saying. They don't care. They're not interested. That is how we know if someone has the spirit of truth or the spirit of deception. So you lend yourself to the spirit of deception, totally messing up who you are. So let Jesus define you. Let God, your maker, tell you who you are. He told us already, say, behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Says it's an expression of divine love that God turned you into his side. I wonder, if we talk about the love of God, we should know the love of God. I don't know how many Christians who have come to have the revelation and understanding that being called a child of God is an amazing act of love. It's an amazing act of love. Just like God is pointing the church to the resurrection of Jesus as the great demonstration of divine power. Has anybody ever found, asked God and said, Lord, why is you, you stopped the sun and the moon? Why didn't you refer the church to the way you stopped the sun and the moon? Why are you pointing to the grave as a demonstration of your great power? It's a great work of love, brethren. We should be happy about it. We should be excited about it. It's not something to be ashamed of. Wherever we are, these things need to be downloaded into you until without thinking you can say, yeah, I'm a child of God. So the Bible says, let these things be deep in you. So the, the, the Lord says we are his children, and we are born of his spirit, out of his own will. It's not out of your will, it's not out of your parents' will. No, out of God's will, he gave back to us. He started this thing. James 1.18. He chose to give back to us. By giving us his true word. Look at that. He chose to. It was his choice. Nobody made it for him. He could decide not to. But he chose to. It's to, 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 to confer on us something that we couldn't have gotten. That we are called children of God. He chose to give it to us. 
He chose to give birth to us. Give birth to us. Give birth to us by giving us his true word. And we, out of all creation, became his prized possession. Shouldn't somebody be excited about this? Why are we allowing the world to intimidate us when we have something amazing, this good? John 1.13 which we are born not of blood. We are born not of blood. I'm reading King James Version. We are born not of, I can read New Living Translation. They are reborn not with a physical birth. So this is a spiritual thing resulting from human passion or plan. So this is not what husband and wife decide to have children. No, no, no. It's not resulting from human passion. Has no thing human, no human pledged God chose to do this by giving us his word. But a birth that comes from God, purely from God. That's why the Bible describes you as a spirit being. You must know this. Don't let it be just a casual thing you hear in church. Let it be something that rules and controls your thinking. It has to go deep in down inside you. This word has to have root inside of you. So that unconsciously, just the way I can tell you my name anytime without thinking. That's the way you can identify yourself when you face anything. When you face any situation. It comes up. You don't, you don't ask me whether I'm a man. I'm a man. I'll say it anywhere. Why? Because I know I'm a man. I'm not confused. So this truth should sink into us. So that they control our decision control our stand in life and control our character. Born not of the will of men, not of the passions of men. It's the choice of God. It came from God. I was born of God. You are born of God. We are his children, his prized possession. Why shouldn't I be proud of that? Why should somebody try to shame me? Try to shame me? For being a prized possession of God? You want to shame me and I'm listening to you? John 3, 6. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That is your mother and your father. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. I'm born of the spirit. I'm spirit. Peter. That's what the Bible says. Marvel not that I said you must be born Again, Peter said it first, Peter 1.23, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, the word, by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever by the gospel. When you hear the gospel and accept it, you get born again. You have this new life. Born of the spirit, born of God. John 1.10 He came into the very world he created, but the world didn't recognize him. 11. He came to his own people, and even they rejected him. 12. But to all who believed him and accepted him, all who believed him and accepted him, it's not everybody who goes to church. It's not everybody. He says, oh, we are children of God. It's not true. It's not true. That's an attempt to cause confusion, to blur the lines and confuse you. It's not true. Absolutely not true. 
written right here in the word of God. Brethren, it's all in the book. It's all in the book. But to all who believed him and accepted him, those are the ones he gave the right to become children of God. It's not everybody. They brought these things, confused people, and say, no, we're all the same thing. No, we worship this. It's not true. It's not absolutely true. Look at the Bible. But to all who believe him, believe Jesus, and accept Jesus, he gave the right to become children of God. Those who have had his pure word, the gospel, about Jesus Christ. Look at John 5, 50-39. John 5.39 Search the scriptures. Search the scriptures. For in them you think you have eternal life. You search the scriptures but in them you have eternal life. But they are they they are they which testify of me. The scriptures testify of me. You search the scriptures because you think they give you eternal life. People think that by doing religious things, they are the non-children of God. No, sir. You can quote Bible. You can be a pastor. You can do all you want to. That will make you a child of God. It's all wonderful and good. But the scripture points to me. The scripture points everybody to Jesus. Everybody to Jesus, 40, tells your wife, yet you refuse to come to me to receive this life. He is the one that gives this life. If you don't receive him, as many as receive him, receive this new life, this new birth. You refuse to come. You think your religious thinks it's okay. It's, it's, there are many people in Pentecostal churches who are not born again. Because they think that, oh, I was born into it. And I've been doing this for years. They know the Pentecostal language. And I'm telling you, make sure you receive them yourself before you leave this earth and go to the grave. Make sure. And today might be a wonderful day for you to say, really, I've never really done this. To as many as believe him, receive him, to them he gave this power. To them, he, he gave this power to be born again, to be his children, to have his life. So God is now our father. Hebrews 12, 9. Furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh. Those, those who had, you know, your father and your mother. Fathers of our flesh, which corrected us. And we gave them reverence. We did. Then he's saying, if we now know that God is also our father, shouldn't we also respect him? You see how if we don't know these things, we're not grounded in us, we forget it, doesn't exist in our mind. So we, we make the word of God, we, we, we make it of no effect. We, we don't even think there's honor for it. Because we don't know he's your father. We don't know he's your father. We don't know he's your father. We don't know. We say it, but we haven't known it. There's a difference between saying it and knowing it. You say, even your earthly father, you give them reverence. How about your spiritual father? The one that begot you, that gave birth to you, 
Shouldn't you respect him more? He says, so furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh which corrected us, and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the father of spirits? See, he called us spirit, because he that which is born of spirit is spirit. He's, he's calling you spirit. He's not talking about the canal, natural you. He's talking about the spirit you, the born again you. He's addressing the one he gave back to. Father of spirit. Shouldn't we be in subjection? Shouldn't we be respectful? Shouldn't we honor him? If he says to you, stop doing this, shouldn't you do that? It's because we don't know. We don't live in consciousness of this. this. It's not downloaded into us. It's not downloaded. And some of the things that is downloaded into us is what the world is feeding us through television, through internet, through all these things. And we become disrespectful to God like they are. Because they don't know God as Father. So they disrespect him. Use all manner of foul language. They, 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 they all manner of stuff. And the Bible says these things will abound in the last days. Blasphemy on television. Insulting God directly. Making prayer a thing of fun on television. Laughing at Christians. Laughing at Jesus. Somebody say on television, Corona does not respond to, to, to prayers. He's ignorant. He doesn't see. He hasn't seen evidence of the power of Jesus to heal people. Hundreds of people have evidence. They were healed because of prayer. He's ignorant. And you don't let them inf infect you with that kind of mindset because God is your father. They don't have him as your father. God is your father. And you are not born of ape. You are not born of ape. There's nowhere the Bible says you are born of ape. You are born of God, brethren. Ape is not your father. If ape is their father, it's fine for them. They can enjoy it. But ape is not your father. It's not my father. I don't, you can't behave like an ape. We have the nature of God. It makes all the difference. Then this is another definition of you that the Bible gives you. That you are a part of the spirit of Christ and a part of his physical body. You are a part of Christ spiritually and you are a part of his physical body, the church. You are a part. Now remember what I said. We need to get these things totally downloaded in us to control our mind because whoever controls your mind controls your action, controls what you believe, controls how your life turns out. That's why Paul was writing them. He said, if you know, if you know that you, have, that, that you are a part of Christ, you cannot take yourself to a harlot because that is dragging Christ to a harlot. That's what he was saying. If you know, if you know Corinthian church, so you don't know that you are joined to Christ. How can you go join yourself to harlot? And you drag, you are joined to Christ, you drag everything you are to the harlot and debase it. 1 Corinthians 6, 15. Don't you realize that your bodies are actually parts of Christ? Brethren, how can, if I, if I realize that, how can I take this body now and go to immorality with it? 
Haka. Haka. It's like it's like you're wearing a very costly cloth and you go you go and, and fall into that with pigs with it. You don't do that because you know the value of what you have. Don't you realize that your bodies are actually parts of Christ? Should a man take his body, which is a part of Christ, join it to a prostitute? It's a simple question. You see, why knowing these things changes, brings your character in line with who God made you to be. That's why the world wants to change it. So you feel free to do what they're doing. You feel just no conscience at all. Because to them, it's okay. It says, never. Verse 16. And don't you realize that if a man joins himself to a prostitute, he becomes one body with them, with her. For the scriptures say, the two are united into one. But the person who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. He said, but you are joined to Jesus. You are one spirit with him. You are being identified as a member of his body joined to him. Remember when we thought of grafting? You've been grafted to Christ. And his life is now flowing through you. If we get these things rooted in us, it will check us. You say, no, I'm not taking Jesus there. I mean, if Jesus was to appear to you physically, will you go to a prostitute? But now, because you don't see him, you don't have to walk by sight. You walk by what the book tells you, what the Bible tells you. He's there. He joined to him. That's why we must train ourselves to stop walking by sight and stop walking by feelings and emotions and stuff like that. 1 Corinthians 12, 12. The human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Many parts make up one body. Verse 13. Some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves, some are free, but we have all been baptized into one body by one spirit. To baptize into one body is that we have been grafted into Christ. It is the Holy Spirit that puts you into Christ. Because the Bible says it's not by me. It's not by will of me. It's by the will of God. It's God that, that, that gives back to us. So it's, it's the act of God that takes a man who has received Christ and grafts him into Christ. It's an act of the Holy Spirit. It's not by me. It's not by will of me. It's not what you do. Or we are saved by grace. Purely by grace, we have no part in it. But only by accepting the offer of grace that God gave us in Christ Jesus. So you say we are baptized now. Yeah. Okay, verse 13. Some of us are Jews. Some are Gentiles. Some are slaves. Some are free, but we have been baptized into one body by one spirit. It's by the Holy Spirit, not by human beings. And we all share the same spirit of Christ. All of us joint, we, we have been identified as part of his spirit, spirit being. Because like he's divine, where the branch, isn't the branch part of the vine? Is it not identified? Have you seen a, a branch that is identified differently? Don't you call it a mango branch? A pear branch? Whatever branch is identified by what tree it is. 14. Yes, the body has many different, the body has many different parts. Not just one part. 15. If the food says, I am not a part of the body because I am not a hand. That does not make it any less a part of the body. 16. And if the ear says, I'm not part of the body because I'm not the eye, would that make it any less part of the body? So you can't say, I'm not part of the body because I'm not the senior pastor. 
Oh, I'm not part of the body because, you know, I don't have this in life. No, 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 no. It doesn't matter. Once you have Christ, you are part of the body. That's what he's saying. So there's not, there's not saying, oh, because of this and because of that, I'm not like this, I'm not like those people. You are good enough. You are good enough. And you're part of him. You don't have to be a prophet. You don't have to see visions. You don't have to pray, pray for 20 hours. You are good enough. So the eye can say it well because I'm not, I'm not as long as the, the, the leg. I'm not part of my body. No, because the eye, as small as it is, is if you close this, the leg is going nowhere. So every part is very important. And that's what we try to do in the believers meeting. What we encourage people to say, listen, you're part of the body of Christ. There is something God gave you. In the church, we may not have the privilege because of time and everything. But here, you allow time. You allow time. Let God use you to minister to the body because you're part of this body. So it's a believer's meeting. It's not a church something. It's a believer. All any believers join. Because we are part of the same spirit. Part of the same spirit. Ephesians 5.30. And we are members of his body. That's what we are. 1 Corinthians 12.27. All of you together are Christ's body. Each of you is a part of it. That's our identity. The other thing is God identifies, you know, God identifies himself by what he does. So we say Jehovah Jireh, the God that supplies our need. Jesus Christ is the anointed one. By the anointing, you are destroyed. He is the savior. He is the deliverer. So his name is Christ, the anointed one that destroys yoke. Then his name is Emmanuel, God that is with us. So God identifies himself by his action. In the same way, you are identified by your action too. You are identified by your life, by what you do in life. You, if, you're a doc, if, you do, if you're a doctor, they say you're a doctor. If you're an engineer, they say you're an engineer. If you are whatever, they are identified by what you do. We are also identified by what we do. In 2 Corinthians 6, 14, don't team up with those who are unbelievers. Now, this doesn't mean isolationist attitude. It doesn't mean I holier than thou attitude, please. That's not what it means at all. Because people have, mis- people have brought religion into this because love accepts everybody. This is not what he's saying. In fact, to show you that that's not what he's saying, can I quickly take you to 1 Corinthians 5 verse 9? Just to show you that that's not what he's saying. 1 Corinthians 5 verse 9. When I wrote to you before, I told you not to associate with people who indulge in sexual sin. But I wasn't talking about unbelievers. I wasn't talking about unbelievers who indulge in sexual sin. He said, I'm not talking about taking yourself away from the world. He said, I'm not talking about unbelievers who indulge in sexual sin or are greedy or cheat people or worship idols. You will have to leave the world to avoid people like that. So when he says, come out from among of them, he's not saying, he's not saying, he's not saying oh, you know, be a solutionist. That's not what he's saying. He said, you have to leave the world because you live here. Actually, the people he wants you to avoid are Christians. Christians who, who live this life. It's not even this, it's Christians. Verse 11. I meant that you are not associated with anyone who claims to be a believer, yet indulges in sexual sin or is greedy or worships idol or it's abusive, or it's a drunkard, or cheats people, don't even eat with such people. So it's not saying you should avoid the world. He said, follow Christians who are wolves in sheep clothing. Get away from them. They'll corrupt you. They will, they will, because you always come to church with them. You always do stuff with them. That's what he's saying. 
So don't copy them. Don't follow what they're doing. They say they are Christians, but they are not. So he says, and let's go back to the scripture I was reading. Second Corinthians 6, 14. Don't team up with those who are unbelievers. So it's not saying you should, you should avoid them. But what he's saying, teaming up is don't do what they do. Simple. How can righteousness be a partner with wickedness? You see now, see your identity. You are called righteous because God made you righteous and you have a new life which is created in Christ and that life is righteous and holy. You see how you're identified? By what you do. Righteous acts, righteous life. So you say we are righteous. And then how can light live with darkness? See, we're identified as light. So we're not darkness. We don't do hidden things. We don't do all these secret things. We do things in the open. We do things that we don't hide from people. We do things that anybody can hear. That's what we are. We are light. We are light. How can light live with darkness? So what harmony can there be between Christ and the devil? So you see, he identifies you as Christ. Not because you as an individual is Jesus, but because you join the body of Christ. You're a member of his physical body, the church, and you're a member of his spirit joined to his spirit. So he identifies us as Christ. Verse 16. He says, and what union can there be between God's temple and idols? We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. He lives in us. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. He lives in us. As God said, I will live in them and walk among them and I will be their God and they will be my people. Therefore, come out from among unbelievers and separate yourself from them, says the Lord. Don't touch their filthy things. That's what he's talking about. And I will welcome you. He said, don't touch those filthy lifestyles. Because they don't know God as their father, so they are disrespectful to him. They do whatever they like. Say, don't do that. Don't be like that. Don't touch those things. That's what it means. And then 18 says, and I will be your father, and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord God Almighty. So what he's saying is, because I love you a lot, and I want to have fellowship with you. So you need to come out from those, those lifestyle of darkness, so that I can really have fellowship with you. Because God cannot join us. In that kind of lifestyle. Look at what he says. What he says. In the. First John 1 3. First John 1 3. That which we have seen. And had declared we unto you. That ye also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And these things write we unto you that, you, that your joy may be full. This then is the message which we have heard of him. And declare unto you that God is light. And him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. So we can't have fellowship with him when we live a life of darkness. The God says, come out. Don't touch those filthy things. I love you. I'm your father. I'm your father. I want to have fellowship with you. Why? So your joy will be full. You are his prized possession. You know, love craves fellowship. Love craves fellowship. Where there's no craving for fellowship, there is no love. Love is somebody wants you. Love is acceptance. Total acceptance or hindered acceptance. That's what love is. That's what it is. And but where there's no acceptance, there is, there is resentment. So you resent the person, you really don't want the person near you. You have all manner of excuses not to be there. 
But when you have love for somebody, there's nothing that will stop you. You can jump the wall and go there. Because of acceptance. So God says, I love you. Don't touch those things so that I can have <clears throat> fellowship with you. You are my prized possessions. So that's one of the reasons that God is uh, telling us not to touch these unclean things. Now, remember, um, if you really become a Christian and you live the Christian life, you don't need to leave anybody. They will leave you. You don't have to. They will drop, they will drop you. Because you, 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 you're, is it weird? weird? You become weird. You speak things they don't understand. So they threw you out fast. They are not comfortable with you because best of the same feather flock together. You are now a bird of different feather. If, you, if they are not throwing you out, you are still the same feather with them. That's what Jesus says. He says, how can you have light and darkness have fellowship? If you are still having fellowship, hanging out with them, hey, get born again. That's your problem. Because if you do, they will throw you out themselves. You don't have to avoid nobody. They will avoid you. Fat. you man, they will drop you like hot, hot iron. Because you're a different feather. First Peter 4. Of course, your former friends, your former friends are surprised. See what I'm saying? They are surprised when you no longer plunge into the flood of wild and destructive things they do. They are surprised. He may, what's happened to this guy? He used to hang out with us. Man, he's, 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 he's gone what? What's, what? Americans say he's gone whatever. You know, he said he, they are surprised that you no longer plunge into the flood of wild and destructive things they do. So they slander you. They slander you. They are going to be your friends. They will drop you. You don't have to drop nobody. They will drop you quickly. Hot as hot potato. But remember that they will have to face God. When you want to face God, you join them. Remember they will have to face God who stands ready to judge everyone. Both the living and the dead. So, these different names that we now have will imply that we live up to our name. We live up to what we are called. If we are not, we are receiving the grace in vain. We are. We are not being who God wants us to be. Galatians 3, 4. Have you experienced so much for nothing? Surely it was not in vain, was it? Paul is saying, is this going to be a wasted life? Is it going to be something just wasted life? Brethren, I have buried people. Every single time I stand at the grave, I feel these things. I feel these things. I feel the weight of these things. Is it going to be a wasted life for me? For me. For me. Because I know that I will be there. Is it going to be a wasted life for me? Is it going to be? Because one day I will be there. I don't deceive myself. It reminds me all the time. Matthew 7, 17 says, even so every good tree bringeth forth good fruit. That's the point. We live up to our name. We live up to who we are. We live up to who God made us to be. James 3, 13. If you are wise and understand God's ways, Prove it by living an honorable life. 
if you are wise and understand God's ways, then prove it by living an honorable life. Live up to who you are. Doing good works with the humility that comes from wisdom. So this, this, is, the, this is the new the new you. This is the new you described right here. James 3.17. But the wisdom from above is first of all pure. That's the new you. The new life is pure. It's also peace loving. You, you, you don't stop jumping and talking like a white dog because you're angry. That's not the spirit of Christ. Christ is gentle. He said, learn of me, I'm gentle and lowly. It's not the, that's not the life. Because somebody says something you don't like, you, you, you stop more. Pakam. It's peace loving, gentle at all times, at all times, in all situations. That's the spirit of Christ in control. That's the new man. I'm willing to yield to others. He does not dominate anybody. Does not throw his opinion and say you must do my way or nothing. It is full of mercy and the fruit of good deeds. It shows no favoritism and it's always sincere. That's the new fruit. Galatians 5.22 But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. This is the new, the new life. The bad fruit is this. James 4, 3, 14. But if you are bitterly jealous, if you are bitterly jealous, and there is a selfish ambition in your heart, don't cover up with the truth, with boasting and lying. Don't cover up and then Jim Jim Christian. Say, don't cover it up. For jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. They are not from God. Such things are earthly, such things are unspiritual. It's not part of the spiritual nature you have. And demonic. It's not the spirit of God doing that. It's demonic. <clears throat> Galatians 5.19 When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Very, very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasure, idolatry, <clears throat> sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, Outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, white parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again as I have before that anyone living this sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. So we see that we need to live up to the new A good fruit, a good tree brings good fruit. And another reason that Jesus is saying to us not to touch the unclean thing, to live up to our new identity is because we, are, we have demonic forces arrayed against us daily. You don't toy with them. They're wicked. They're determined to achieve their goal, to destroy your life, to steal from you, make your life worthless. Hinder you from progress. They're determined. They are not joking. They are serious about their business. And then when you play around in their backyard, you give them... The, you give them permission. So look at, look at Ephesians 5.12. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, 
against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wicked, the wicked, heartless, the killers, the thieves, they destroy. Now you're wrestling against them, and now you're playing in their backyard. You're not doing what they do. You're in fellowship with them. How much advantage are we now handing over to them when we do this kind of thing? So the third reason is that this kind of life is unprofitable to you. Romans 6, 21. And what was the result? What was the result? You are now ashamed of the things you used to do. Things that end in eternal doom. They are totally unprofitable. Completely unprofitable. Now remember that in death and resurrection of Jesus, you are identified with him right from his death, his resurrection, and ascension. The Christian is identified with Christ. Why? Because he did all of that on your behalf. If you send somebody to do something, and the person does something, they don't say that that man did it. They say, you did it. You identified with the person because he did it on your behalf. If you, if you send somebody to go and pay for you, and he pays for you, they don't say that man paid. They will say, you, you have paid. You have paid. So we identified with Jesus Christ in his death because he died in my place. His resurrection was because of me. He did nothing for himself. Everything he did was for me. So I identified that when he died then, oh, he died, I died. You died too. When he resurrected, they said, well, he didn't die for himself. For he didn't resurrect for himself. He did all these things for us. So when he resurrected, we resurrected. When he ascended to heaven, he did it for us. To, to go and, and be the great high priest on our behalf. So we identify with the benefits of all of that. Because he did everything for us. Everything for us. Look at how Jesus, how the Holy Spirit gives you this identity. Romans 6 from verse 1. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? He said, it's not possible. Because we have died with Christ. Identified with him. That when he died, I died. So he says, verse 2, certainly not. Certainly not. How shall we who die to sin? How can we die to sin? Live any longer in it. We died with him. Our old person died, decayed, gone. Sinful nature died, decayed, gone. He died for me. So I died and you died. Certainly not. How shall we die? Who died to sin live any longer in it? Verse 3. Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ, which means joined into Christ, baptized, grafted into Christ, we are baptized into his death, we were joined in his death. He died, we died too. So because he died for me, I'm not dying again. Verse 4. Therefore, we were buried with him you see, you see, from his death to his burial and resurrection, the Christian is identified with Christ Jesus because he did all of that on his behalf. We are baptized into him. We are joined to him in his death because he went to the cross for me, went to that grave for me. So I was the one in the grave. Therefore, we were buried with him. Why? Because I, he went to the grave because of me. Through baptism in death. That just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in newness of life now because we're risen in a new person. Verse 6. Verse 6. Knowing this, that our old man 
What happened to our old man? Was crucified with him. You see, we are being identified with Christ. That the body of sin might be done away with. It's done away with. That we should no longer be slaves of sin. It's done away with. Verse 7. For he who has died has been freed from sin. Verse 8. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we also shall live with him. Verse 9. Knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. Continue. For the death he died, he died to sin once and for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. Verse 11. Likewise, you also reckon yourselves. Credit it to yourselves. See yourself that way. To be dead indeed to sin because the old nature is dead, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Reckon it to be so. That is our identity. We died. The old nature decayed, taken away. We rose up with him in newness of nature, in newness of life. Now, remember that you, are, you derive your spiritual authority by his ascension too. Your spiritual authority derives with, with his ascension. You being identified with him gives you your spiritual authority. Look at Ephesians 2.4. Ephesians 2.4. But God who is rich in mercy, for his great love, wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, had quickened us together with Christ. You see, he died without with him. He rose. We were quickened together with Christ. By grace you are saved and had raised us together. We were raised together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ. We were never separated from him. It's that, that authority you have is derived from the fact that you are joined to him. When he died, you died. He rose, you rose. Now he's seated in place of glory. The Bible said together you are seated with him. God never separated you from Christ. Why should you? Why? Paul said Christ is my life. It's my all and all. So we rose from him. The Bible says, don't you know that when he died, you died. You rose, you a different person. A spiritual being. A spiritual being. And that when he rose and sit in a place of honor, you sit with him because you are part of his body. You are part of, you have been grafted to him. Nobody is cutting you off from Christ. Never. Unless you want to detach and go your way. He raised us up. All of us raised up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus in a place of honor. That's why we derive our authority because we are sitting with him in a place of authority. Seated together with him. Look at Ephesians 1.20. Quit the rod in Christ where he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. Far Remember, we are seated with him. We are seated with him far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. Verse 22. And had put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth 
all in all. When you read that God has put all things under his feet, he's talking about you. Because you are his body. He said you are his body. So when God put things under the feet of Jesus, he said, I put things under your feet. Because he can't put things under the feet of Jesus and then you are not, you are different. Man, I'm sitting here, I'm preaching. All my body is standing here. All my body is standing here. My feet is here. My hand is here. If there's any authority I have, every part of me is part of exercising that authority. So when God says, I put all these powers under his feet, he's talking about his body, his church, of which he's the head, and you are part of that body. Which means everything is under your feet now. Under your feet now. And if it's under your feet now, you put your feet on them and, and behave like you have the authority. You behave like God put them under your feet. They are not, they are not facing you face to face. The Bible says they are all under your feet. All of them are under your feet. They are not standing face to face with you. They are under your feet because you are part of Christ and Christ is the, is, is the head of the church and God himself, God himself put all this is under his feet. His feet. His feet. Who is his feet? We are part of his body, so it's under our feet. If you don't understand this things, you get mesmerized by demonic spirits. You get, you get, they make you afraid. They intimidate you. They come with all manner of symptoms telling you you are dead, you are not dead, nothing. They're under your feet. They're a bunch of liars. You rise up and, and take authority over them and say, I'm seated with Christ. Who are you? You're under my feet. That identity, that identity gives you confidence. That identity makes you rise and shine. That identity makes you look intimidated in the face and say, you have no idea who am I am. I am seated with Christ. Don't you understand that? And when you pray, you understand that you are praying joined to Christ. You pray in his name. When you, when you speak to demons, understand that you are praying joined to Christ and praying in his name. When you lay hands on the sick, it's not just your hand. It's him and you, the body. It's not divided. And that gives you the privilege also to enjoy all the blessings of God. Romans 8, 17. And if children, then hairs, hairs of God. If children, then hairs, hairs of God. And joint hairs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together with him. We are his children because he said God chose to give back to us now and because we are his children joined to Christ, identified with Christ, we are heirs of all divine blessings. We don't tiptoe for them. They are ours. The prodigal son's father said to the brother, all these things belong to you. They are yours. You didn't know them. So you come begging. We are a bunch of begging, 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 begging prayer. We don't ask like we are children of God. And it gives you access to God, unhindered access to God at any time T. Because he said, I want fellowship with you. Ephesians 2.17 He brought this good news of peace to you Gentiles who were far from, away from him and peace to the Jews who were near. Now, all of us can come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit because of what Christ has done for us. So now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all God's holy people. You are members of God's family. That's who you are. 
You're not a stranger. Don't go like a stranger. Don't talk like a stranger. That's why the Bible says we should come boldly before the throne of grace. You are not a stranger. I am not a stranger. I'm a member of the family. You don't tiptoe into your home. None of my children does that. They don't tiptoe into mommy's, mommy's fridge. They know mommy's mom, food is there. Mommy, mommy cooked it. And you hear them come. They I don't know how they know when the cook food is done. But they come. And when they come, they go boldly. They go boldly. They go boldly. This is what I want, mom. Mom is so happy. So happy to feed it. And then, you know, mommy, I want this one. Mommy, why? why is that? There's no fish here. Mommy says, okay, I'll buy fish. Why? It's love. It's family. They don't come begging. They don't come begging. Why should they beg? Begging? What belongs to them? Who are, who are we living for? Who are, we, who, who are parents working for? Is that children? Is that children? You know, is that children? When, when they drive my car, I'm in time, I'm, I feel happy. I'm so excited. I really feel, I feel the joy of it. I mean, I mean, I really feel the joy of it. As a father, you feel so excited. You know, like the sharing in the blessings God has given you. You are so happy about it. You know, when they buy your shade, shade free, because sometimes your children buy your shade free, free from your wardrobe they buy, and then you see them wearing free bought shirt. You are very happy. Is there a right? And moms know your daughters wear your shoe, they wear your this, they wear your that. It's family privilege. God says, you are heirs to all I have. I'm your father. You can have them. But we say, hey, he may not give me. No, it's yours. Already yours. Not going to be. Not going to be. All spiritual blessings in heaven are ours. All of them. All of them. All of them. That's the good news of the gospel. Now in Ephesians 1.3 it says all praise to God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. All of it is ours. Romans 8.15 for you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear but you have received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry Abba Father which means not just Father but a dear father. This spirit itself, the spirit is a bearing witness with our spirit. God deals with your spirit, not with your flesh. We talk to your spirit, deal with your spirit, not with your flesh. You miss God if you think God will deal with you by your flesh. No. So he, he witnesses with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then hairs, hairs of God and join tears with Jesus Christ. Now, before I leave, I want to also tell us that we are supposed to serve God by the new spirit we have. Jesus said that God is looking for people who will worship him in spirit and in truth. This is the service that God accepts. You don't serve God by your flesh. You don't. You don't. Look at what Paul said in Romans 8, 9. But you are not, it says um, Romans 8, 9. Sorry. Romans 1 9. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit, not by my flesh, with my spirit in the gospel of his son, that without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayer. Serve by my spirit. Serve by my spirit. What does it mean to serve by your spirit? It means your spirit man is dominant in everything you do. When you worship, you worship by that spirit. You don't worship because the music is, is awesome. No. Your spirit worships him. You connect God by your spirit, not by your ghost pimples and all those things. No. 
When you serve him as a pastor, you serve by your spirit. Paul said, I serve by my spirit. I don't serve by my feelings. I don't serve by how I feel. I serve by my spirit because he talks to my spirit. Spiritual worship. Jesus said that God is looking for such to worship him who will worship him in spirit and in truth. My prayer is that God will help us to understand these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to pray. Father, we just want to thank you for the word that you gave us. I pray, Lord, that you help us, Lord, to really understand these things. We cannot connect you by our flesh. We cannot. It's a waste of time. You gave us this new life, this new spirit, so that you can connect with it because you are a father of spirit. So you can be a witness through our spirit of what you are doing in our lives. So that we can serve you by our spirit, not by our feelings. And that is acceptable to you. For whatever is of, of flesh, we profit us nothing. Thank you, precious Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Good afternoon, Fountain of the Living Word Church members. 